Sips talks to inspirational and influential people to find out about their drinking journeys. Hosted by me, Emily Cyphers, founder of Sober and Social. I will talk to guests at all stages of their journey, offering different insights and perspectives from struggles to successes. Sober Sips gives you story and substance. So before we get started, I wanted to tell you a bit more about Kalenio and how I like to drink it. They are one of my favourite non-alcoholic spirits and they are all about bringing the joy to not drinking. My favourite cocktail is to make with their light and zesty spirit and it's a tropicali mixed with pineapple juice, fresh lemon juice, sugar syrup and garnished with mint. It's totally delicious. Thank you Kalenio for sponsoring this episode. I'm talking to Millie Gooch, sober queen, author and founder of Sober Girl Society. We talk about her new book launch, sober dating and why she decides to go alcohol free. Let's dive in. Hi Millie Gooch, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That's okay. Welcome to Sober Sips. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Um, I wanted to start off by congratulating you on your amazing new book, The Sober Girl Society Handbook. Oh, thank you. It's finally here. I know. It feels feels like it's come around really quickly, but also that it was like ages ago as well. Yeah, I feel like you've been you've been doing it for a while, but the fact that it's actually here is like insane. So tell me of the inspiration behind the book and what made you decide to write a book. Oh, so the inspiration behind the book is kind of like half my story and half that I wanted to like showcase other stories as well. Um, I wanted to write the book because I feel like there is a kind of space for a book like it. I think it's a very like practical book on tackling like sober situations and like, you know, everything from sex to dating and all those things that I kind of like didn't feel were written about. Like there was so many books that were really good handbooks for like how you quit drinking. But then like once you quit drinking, it's kind of like, you're on your own and there's nothing out there to like teach you how to deal with all those situations so that would that's kind of like the main the main inspiration I would say it's more of like a survival guide of sobriety Mm, I love that so much so this is all stemmed from sober girl society which is your Instagram page when did you start sober girl society and what was what was kind of your vision for it when you first started So I started in September 2018 and when I say I didn't have a vision, like I genuinely didn't have much of a vision, I just knew that at the time I followed loads of pages like uh, Anti-Diet Riot Club and like communities who were like all together about like a specific cause or thing and I just thought that there isn't really anything like that out there for young like British millennial women and I thought there's got to be more than just me out there who's like not drinking for the sake of their mental health or whatever other reason so I just thought oh maybe I'll start it I'll make some friends because also like I didn't 
didn't know a single other sober person. So I thought I'll just start that. And then maybe we'll talk about sober dating. Maybe we'll talk about non-alcoholic wine. Um, it would just be like a, a place for us to kind of hang out and chat. And I never, ever envisioned that it would be what it is now. So yeah, I didn't really have a vision for it. I just knew that there was kind of like a need for a space like that. Well, you definitely prove that there is because it's been hugely successful and it is such an inspiration to so many people. So considering you didn't have a vision, you really have grown it into its <laughs> own vision in a way. <laughs> yeah, the vision has morphed as time has gone on, I would say. Yeah, exactly. It kind of, it, each each day it's going to give you more stepping stones, hasn't it, to see where you wanted to be and where what you wanted to do, I suppose. Yeah. And also like when I first started it, it had a lot more of a personal angle. It was like me kind of brain dumping my thoughts about sobriety. And then like the vision has changed because now it is like a community and it's not really about me anymore. It's about everyone. So that's kind of like morphed as well. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Um, How long have you been sober for now? Like, well, I don't know when this is coming out, but in Feb this year, um, it'll be three years. So not long, about a month until it's three years. That's amazing. I mean, we must have had our, I mean, I, I'm i April. So yeah, we must have been around the same time of having our, our farewell to alcohol. Yeah, our horrendous hangovers. We were probably debating whether to give up at around the same time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just, you were just more intelligent and did it a bit faster than I did. <laughs> um, and I want to ask you like in, because it has been nearly three years, like what are your reflections um about your previous drinking patterns and why you drank and used alcohol the way you did oh I I think I used alcohol because I was quite unconfident which to anyone on the outside would have been such a shock because they would have thought I was like the most confident brash like no fucks given party girl but inside I was like very insecure and I like really cared what people thought about me and I think that was like a big big reason for a lot of my drinking was like insecurity and I think like my relationship with alcohol did change over time and I didn't even notice it because when I first started drinking I just drank because everyone else did and I went to uni and it was fun but then I really started to rely on it not just for like my personality but for confidence or for social anxiety like when I first went to uni I wasn't socially anxious to go out on a night out but then by the end of my drinking, I couldn't have imagined going on a night out without a drink. So I really started to rely on it for confidence and hushing insecurities and just like using it as a way to shut down my brain. Like if I was if I was getting ready for a night out and I thought, oh God, I, I don't like the way I look in this dress and I look really ugly today and my makeup's horrible and all this. I thought, I know I'll have three Jager bombs and then I, I just won't even think about those things. So I kind of found that it was a really quick way to hush any kind of like insecurity whatsoever and bring out this like, I don't care kind of persona when deep down I I really did care. Mm. Do you feel that now you're sober that those insecurities have gone? I think everyone has insecurities because we're human, but I think it has really like sobriety has really given me like a an inner confidence I think when you're drinking like booze is such an instant confidence but the next day you you don't have it it's like taken away from you whatever you gained that night is like taken away and then some the next morning whereas 
being sober I've built like this real kind of like innate confidence that stays with me always I don't lose it in the morning after I've stopped drinking and I think I've got a lot better at like talking myself down from insecurities whereas before I would have just gone oh okay like I feel really crap I'm just gonna have a drink and hope I forget about it whereas now I actually really sit with those things deal with them like okay well why am I feeling like this you know what can I do to not feel this way that I think has been like a real fundamental difference so I'm I'm not going to sit here and say I never get insecure and I'm super confident but I feel like I have much more of a natural confidence than I did when I was drinking I purely relied on alcohol for my confidence when I was drinking whereas now I feel like there's something inside of me that can come out in those sort of social situations. So what tips would you give to anyone that is struggling with perhaps insecurities in their sobriety what have you found invaluable to use? I mean, therapy has been invaluable. And I only did, um, I did three months of like intensive CBT. And that for me was like, so, so key. Um, And I know it's not accessible for everyone, but there are um, a lot of kind of like cheaper and free alternatives to therapy that you can do. And then I would also say like, I read loads of books in other areas outside of sobriety. Like I love Quitlet and I think it's really helpful. But I think to actually, you know, carry on with sobriety, you have to kind of strengthen yourself in other areas as well. So I read lots of books on like confidence and speaking your truth and body positivity and things like that. And that kind of helped with my insecurities and therefore that helped with my sobriety because I didn't feel as much need to drink because I was feeling more secure. So I don't always think it's like drinking that's the problem. There's so many other things that might be the problem and the reason why you're drinking. So kind of like work out what they are and and maybe work on them Mm, yeah that's really good advice it's definitely uh it's not just a put down the drink and everything's kind of fixed is it it's a put down the drink and see why we were doing that in the first place and look at how we can improve the other areas so we basically living a, a more fulfilled life in in every kind of area of of how we're living yeah 100% so tell me about the last time that you drank alcohol had you decided to quit before that night or did you wake up in the morning and you're like right I'm not doing this anymore so I hadn't decided to quit before but I kind of knew that it was coming to a head like I knew something had to change but I'd never like decided to quit so the night I went out on I went to a club in Maidstone called Moo Moo's um, and I don't really remember a lot of the night I remember being in there I remember being in the smoking area and I like I have this vague re- like recollection of speaking to people that I didn't know and I had like far too many tequilas um, and I, that's all I really remember. And I woke up the next day and my friend said I would, it's like an absolute nightmare. She said, like, I was talking to this boy, she said, and I was just falling all over him. And she was like, I could tell that he was like embarrassed. And she was like, at one point you actually made him give you his number. Um, and I was like, oh my God, I am like mortified. And she said, yeah. And then we went to the like kebab shop opposite and you moaned the whole way because you wanted to go back in the club. And she was like, and then we got an Uber home and out of protest, you took my burrito out of my hand and threw it out the window. <laughs> um, okay, well, this sounds like awful. And it wasn't even like, these aren't the most like shameful things in the world. But that morning I just woke up and I was like, none of those things like align with my behavior. Like normally if I was like texting a boy, I'd play like, so cool. And that night I'm like, give me your number. <laughs> like all that kind of, 
you know, just, it didn't feel like me. So I woke up that morning and I don't know, it, I'm not sure what it was that morning, but I was like, I just think I need to, need to like not drink. So I downloaded The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober because about three weeks earlier, I'd read um, an interview with Catherine in Stylist magazine when I was on the tube. Um, so I downloaded that. And I think like that day, that just changed my opinion about drinking and sobriety forever. And it sounds really silly that like a book could change my life, but I genuinely feel like it did because it, it was the first thing I'd ever read that it sounds silly, but I never thought that not drinking was an option. I just thought, okay, well, I need to like control it better. I never, ever, ever thought, okay, well, I could just not do it. Like that just didn't seem like an option. And all of a sudden reading that book, it felt like an option. Yeah, that's incredible. So from that day, did you feel like, right, I'm going to do this forever? Or did you set yourself like a timer? I can't really remember if I'm honest. I I didn't put a timer on it, but I also don't think I said like, this is going to be me now. This is me forever. I think I just thought I need to do this for like a really long time. I need to make like a serious change. So I didn't put like a, I mean, I think I said to my friends, I'm never drinking again. And they all laughed because they thought it was hilarious. But I don't think I ever thought deeply inside, I'll do this forever or I'll only do this for X, Y, Z. It was kind of more like an open-ended, let's do this, see how we get on with it. So when you look back at your kind of drinking, do you feel like you were addicted to alcohol? How do you how do you see yourself on the scale of addiction having or just being a negative cycle or having an issue with drinking? How would you kind of describe what your drinking was? Oh, it's so hard, isn't it? Because I think... I think if you're doing something and you don't want to be doing it, you are addicted in some way. But I wouldn't wake up and think, I want a drink. So I wasn't addicted to that. But I was addicted to like the feeling of being drunk. I was addicted to the Friday night comes around. I get absolutely out of my tree and forget all my problems and my insecurities and then feel like shit for the weekend and then do it all again. Like there must be some sort of addiction there to keep doing something that is so destructive. So it's hard to say like, where you land on that scale because when I was hung over the last thing I wanted was to drink again so I wasn't to that point of addiction but I think you know I was 26 when I stopped drinking had this gone on for another five ten years could I have been in that place like yeah quite possibly so I think I am like a very early exeter I like to say but there's definitely something that kept me doing this thing even though it was making me so miserable yeah yeah I think it's really hard to to define where you are kind of on that scale unless obviously you are waking up and having a drink and you needing it to get through your day but as we know there's so many more like pieces of the spectrum than that to alcohol addiction to having an alcohol issue or even just giving up because you know that it's not good for you and it's not good for your health you know it's it's turned into so many different things as to why people are going sober Mm. which I think is really positive yeah um I want to talk a bit about sober dating yes were you single when you got sober I was yeah I'd actually gone through a really horrible breakup so I'd been with my ex-boyfriend for six years and like just didn't know what to do with myself so I was actually very single when I first stopped drinking I spent like the first few months of single to him getting absolutely shit-faced 
and I think that was like the kind of crux of my drinking really because I I started to take it a bit too far with absolutely like no one to stop me (laughs) so when you decided to start dating again yeah I get asked this question a lot around sober dating what did you do to find sober dates or go sober dating because I'm pretty sure not everyone knew were dating was sober no so I had I had tinder and bumble hinge was like just starting to be a thing but not really whereas I know it's like quite a bigger thing now um and I mean tinder I just hated because I just never I just found myself swiping and swiping and swiping so I would say I did the majority of my uh dating on bumble and I I wasn't like majorly upfront with my sobriety like I didn't put it in my bio I think I did I think towards the end I started putting like I was a non-drinker but I I also realized that a lot of people don't even read bios like they just look at your pictures and then they go oh yeah so I yeah Bumble was the main way but then like as soon as I started talking to them I I bought it in pretty early Mm -hmm. and tell me about your sober dates oh god I went on many different sober dates I tell you what I loved sober dating because it was really nerve wracking, but I really like pushed myself out of my comfort zone. And I also, every day that I went on, basically gave them a challenge to do something fun that wasn't drinking. So I went kayaking, I did mini golf, I did darts, like so many fun, different dates that I went on. And I just found sober dating so much more enjoyable than drunk dating because I mean, the next day wasn't a write-off. I'd been on so many drunk dates where the next day I thought, God, I didn't like them, wasted my whole evening, and today I feel like absolute shit. And I normally did a lot of weekday dating, so I'd be like sitting at my desk and the whole day was a write-off. Whereas sober dating, if I went, I'd you know sit with them for like an hour, hour and a half, and then I'd be like, actually, this isn't working for me. I'm going to leave. Whereas if I was drinking, I would have stayed there the whole night just because I would have enjoyed having someone else to get completely shit-faced with. So I actually really enjoyed the experience of sober dating. And I think it's also easier to like spot red flags, spot when someone isn't right for you. I, I went on so many drunk dates and literally came home and was like, they're the one. And then I'd meet them a few weeks later and be like, yeah, they're definitely not the one. I was just definitely very pissed. So that I think has been like a, a really good thing about sober dating as well, is just actually seeing if there's genuine connection, genuine spark, if you can spot any red flags early on. I mean, I recommend it to anyone, even if you're not sober or even sober curious. I'd just say do a couple of sober dates. Yeah, I totally agree. I really do feel it saves people a lot of time and a lot of heartache if you can just do maybe the first two dates sober. Um, Because it kind of gives you this false sense of, I don't know, like amazement about people. Like they're really good looking. We get on really well. They make me laugh and all of these things. And then actually when you meet them in the sober light of day, they don't do any of those things. And also classic that maybe you get too drunk and you end up kissing them or you end up going and sleeping with them and you wake up in the morning and you're full of regret. Whereas you just don't get that through sober dating. Yeah, 100%. I've done that so many times to be like, oh God, I like, and it kind of ruins it for me when I've done it before, like really drunkenly snog someone. Because then the next day I regret it and I'm like, oh, I'm full of shame. I don't want to speak to them. And sometimes I'd like pie off perfectly good people just because I was embarrassed by my own behavior. So that's like another thing. Yeah, I do think when it comes to sober dating, like, of all the, you know, potentially good 
kind, lovely men that I just didn't even like engage with because I was just too drunk and just quite frankly couldn't even see that in people. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Whereas now I'm sober, I'm like, oh, actually, you know, he's really kind. He's really nice. Like, it's not like, oh, should we get another bottle of wine? It's like, can I have another non-alcoholic beer and get to know each other? Yeah, exactly. I think you just, you save so much time as well. And I think the sad reality is, I think a lot of dating is, it's a numbers game. I think you just have to get through a lot of people until you find one that you like. So it is actually a much more efficient way because you spend a couple of hours with them, then you're ready to go if you know that they're not the one. And then also you feel okay. So if you want to do another date the next day, you can do. And I think, like I'm not just saying, oh, you should date everyone in London, but you know, it, it is a bit of a numbers game sometimes. Like you meet perfectly lovely people, but they're just not the one for you. Well, yeah, and especially now we're um, not able to actually go out to a bar. I mean, you could maybe have 10 dates a day on Zoom if you wanted to. (laughs) 10 sober dates a day, you'd be worn out, but at least you'd be getting through the numbers and, you know, have more probability. I was going to say, I'd love to see what it would be like dating now in the digital Zoom world. Yeah, there have actually been some online uh, sober dating events. Have there? See, that is really cool because you could just put like a Heineken Zero in a pint glass and say oh yeah I'm having a beer like they don't need to know that takes away any kind of stress doesn't it yeah it's true well until you meet them and then they get absolutely paranetic and they're <laughs> over and <laughs> you have absolutely nothing in common with them <laughs> um so when you met your boyfriend yes your lovely lovely boyfriend <laughs> how was that when you when you first met him did and how was his drinking I mean, I'm very lucky. He he offered to do our first date sober, which I always say was like, I mean, I tell him this now, I'm like, that's the moment I know I loved you and I'd like not even met you just because he was the first person to actually do that. And I'm not saying everyone needs to do that, but that showed to me how much like confidence he had, like just how open-minded he was to the whole thing. He was like, yeah, great, let's do it sober. Like, that'll be cool. And that kind of, like, enthusiasm is, like, the thing I love most about him. Like, everyone else, that's absolutely fine. I didn't mind other people drinking on dates. It, it didn't trigger me. And luckily, no one got, like, paralytic in my company. But the fact that he just offered, I was like, yes, this is the kind of person I can get on board with. So that was that was really lovely. So we actually did our first date completely sober. And he Googled, like, top bars for non-alcoholic drinks, which was just, like, the icing on the cake. So, yeah, he was, he was a good first date. He did very well. He did, yeah. He hates his, fa- like, least favourite saying is hashtag boy did good so I will say boy did good (laughs) (laughs) yeah he did really well that's very good and what is your biggest sober dating tips or advice for anyone else that is listening that is about to you know maybe dip their toe in the sober dating world yeah I mean it's really hard at the moment because of obviously the pandemic but when when that finally eases I would say do an activity because I think it is really hard to sit opposite someone with a drink and just like relentlessly question each other about life I think if you're doing something like mini golf or even going for like a walk just something where like the focus isn't okay shall we get another drink I think that's so important just to take that like added layer of pressure off I would say do do day dates. I think they're so underrated and I don't think that there's as much pressure to drink, like do coffee dates, go for a walk. Like that one is actually quite good for this kind of environment at the moment. 
day dates and I would also say like don't be afraid for you to like decide on the day they don't have to like decide if there's like a a place that you know that's got like a really good non-alcoholic selection it's not too far from home like you'd feel comfortable just like leaving and going if you needed to like you can always select where you go I think that that is like you can steer the date to what you want as well if that makes you feel more comfortable and um, that would be like my main sort of tips I would say yeah and also I think not to be afraid to put it out there that you don't drink before the actual date yeah I mean I I would always say tell them up front if not for them I would say for you because otherwise you you're already going to be stressed because everyone's stressed and nervous before a date so take like that added layer of stress off of being like okay well what are they going to say when I tell them I don't drink like if you tell them up front and they're cool about it then you can go into that date being really relaxed and knowing that you don't even really need to talk about it whereas otherwise you're going to be like oh god what are they going to say when they ask me what I drink so I would always drop it in early not just for for like for them but for you and I would also say that again is another like time efficient thing if you tell them up front and they're really weird about it or rude about it that's a massive massive red flag so you can save yourself the problem of even going on a date with that person because you know straight away that they're probably not going to be for you so I would tell them up front for you 100% yeah I really do agree on that and especially as well you know if some people do like a drink like I established very early on in my sobriety that I don't actually want to be with someone that likes to drink lots. Like I want to be with someone that just has a beer with dinner or actually is sober. And it kind of took me a while to kind of be okay with that because I didn't want to, I don't know, what's the word, like make the pool smaller Mm. or like your possibility of people that maybe you can go on a date with because dating is can be quite difficult at times. So I thought, well, if I put that in place, it will just kind of like my net won't be as wide to get, you know, good dates in so I was actually quite afraid of saying this but actually I don't want to be with someone that likes to drink a lot like it wouldn't work for me like I actually like doing different things now that aren't necessarily in a bar or a nightclub or going on a Friday night and getting off my face and I want someone else to be on board with that to actually be like actually let's just watch a film or let's go do something different or whatever it might be I don't want to live that life so if someone else is living it it actually just wouldn't work for me anyway yeah you want a small net that's what you want there we go that's what I was trying to say I (laughs) wanted a small net in my sobriety when dating (laughs) yeah when you get married how do you feel about alcohol at your wedding what are the thoughts I mean firstly we need to get him to ask me but then I think about this a lot actually which I probably shouldn't admit to but I don't know it's really hard on my dream situation would be that I would serve alcohol at my wedding but I would do a free like non-alcoholic bar I would have like the fanciest alcohol free mixologist there doing like completely free alcohol drink like alcohol free drinks and then people can have like unlimited alcohol free drinks they can have like as many Heineken zero zeros as they want on me but if they want alcohol then that's on them to pay for it but then I also know that I just don't think that that will probably be realistic either so I actually stress unnecessarily about this question which I probably shouldn't (laughs) what do you think it's it's a really tricky question I mean I think I would probably serve like a bottle of wine on the dinner table or depending on what we have afterwards um, and then maybe like a glass of champagne on arrival yeah but I would not have an open bar 
And definitely like you would have like the most fabulous non-alcoholic cocktails for people to indulge in and would have that unlimited. But yeah, I think if they wanted anything above and beyond that, it would be going to the bar and paying for it. Yeah, I think that's a very good like middle ground, which I would be happy to go with, I think. Because like, yeah, you can't you can't force your sobriety on everyone else. But equally, I don't want to pay for everyone to get absolutely pissed and throw up on my wedding. So I don't know. I mean, it's your wedding at the end of the day. So you you get to decide. So, but I think that's that's a good in-between solution. And, you know, that that money where people get pissed on, they don't even remember your wedding. That could be the honeymoon, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I could be off for like three weeks in Bali. That would be lovely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Instead of paying for everyone's hangovers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a reasonable solution. And also, I think like you, like my boyfriend does drink. So it's not like he's sober as well. Like he generally would want probably just to have a nice glass of champagne. Yeah. I mean, that's if he wants to marry me. I'm assuming he'll be <laughs> But if there's someone to this podcast and be like, what are they on about? We are not marrying them. <laughs> when you have children. Yeah. Again, A, assuming that we are lucky enough to have them, but B, also assuming that our boyfriends would like to have children with us. <laughs> how, how do you think you'll teach your children about alcohol? Oh, again, this is like another thing that I think about all the time because... I didn't really have like strict parenting on alcohol and I didn't drink it as like a kid. So part of me is kind of like, well, I'll just let them make their own decisions. But then I obviously went off to uni and, you know, filled my boots. But I think if you go too strict, then you can risk going the other way. So I don't know really if I'm if I'm honest. This is this is something if there's any parents out there, I'd quite like to get advice on whether it's like positive reinforcement or like negative reinforcement I don't I don't really know what the answer is what about you fundamentally I want to teach them how to have confidence in themselves how to love themselves how to show themselves self-respect to the point where they don't necessarily need to use it unhealthy because they're trying to escape themselves Mm. I want them to feel enough just as they are and not use alcohol how I used alcohol which was very much because of my low self-esteem, because I thought that it made me more sociable, more confident, all of these things. Whereas actually, if I would have had that self-love more for me, I don't think I would have felt the need to escape as much with alcohol. So I think first and foremost, teaching them that, and also not to make it this kind of magical substance that adults use that's like, glamorous that's this thing that's like unattainable that you know if you have it you'll suddenly feel like an adult I would kind of want it to be available to them if they wanted to try like a glass of wine at dinner maybe so it didn't feel oh it's this massive thing that I have to do that I can't do because I I think that's the the thing about it is you're almost told that you can't do it until you're old enough to or to you're like big enough to or mature enough to or whatever and then it makes you want to do it more. Yeah. I, 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 do you know what? I want to change my answer to the first part of your answer because I think you said it beautifully. And I think it is more about like building up the confidence and the self-love and all those things. Because I, do you know, I think it can go like both ways with the kind of like making it an adult thing because I've got friends whose parents were very like happy to let them drink wherever and they really took that and did drink a lot and still drink a lot now. So I think that that part can go either way. But I think the the first part I think is like so, so 
important so that that's what I'd like to change my answer to (laughs) yeah I just don't want to make it this unattainable non-accessible thing I just want them to have had the fundamentals in place and if it's something that they still want to explore with yeah to be able to do that in a healthy way and not as a you shouldn't do this way which is you know I and I'm still like the same now if someone tells me not to do something I want to bloody do it yeah (laughs) You know, so it's just like removing that element, I think, as well, coupled with the self-love teaching is how I think I'm going to approach it. Yeah, and I agree not not making it glamorous, I think, is like a really important point to that. I think like not kind of like putting it on a pedestal and yeah, really glamorizing it, I think is important. And I definitely want to glamorize sobriety. Yeah. Oh, you're doing well. Your parties and your raves and your sequins. (laughs) Thanks, raves because you know sobriety is fabulous and it's so much better than getting drunk because I just want you know them to see me living like a fabulous sober life and they'll be like I want to live a fabulous sober life yeah I think that I mean I think that's one of the main things that you can do is just be a role model of actually you don't need to drink to have fun I think that is such an important thing not just with kids but with everyone as well like Mm. uh, when I nag people about alcohol it doesn't get them anywhere when I sit there and drink a fabulous non-alcoholic drink and then wake up like bright-eyed and bushy towels people are like oh I think I I want to do a bit of that like that is the, the main way that's the secret is to encourage people by making it look attractive and great and it's easy to do that because it is attractive and great and fun and and all those other things that we claim it is I mean look I don't need any encouragement to get up and dance on a table so <laughs> uh, you know even when I do have children I will still be that embarrassing mother at the party that they're like please can you get down from the table yes doing us like step wedding dance exactly and even when we go out now like I I think even our work Christmas party last year I was still the first person on the dance floor like I just really like to go out and and still do the same things you know but you wake up and you just feel fabulous I I hope if anything that's what people kind of can get from from being sober that you can still do everything without any of the any of the hangover basically yeah exactly I would agree if you were still drinking What would your life look like now? Oh, God. I think I would still be single on the, like, drinking, dating wheel because I think I would just get too pissed at every date to even, like, listen to what the other person has to say. Um, I think I would... What else? I'd be really miserable, I think. I think I'd be really miserable um and like really sad and just not fulfilling any kind of potential whatsoever I feel like my life would just look exactly the same as it did three years ago I I honestly feel like that I don't think it would have progressed any further like I look back on the last three years and I'm like it has been an absolute whirlwind of stuff like I can't believe I've fit so much in and I don't even feel like I'm massively busy all the time but you just get so much time back like have you ever seen Bernard's Watch? No, but tell me more. So there's a programme I used to watch as a kid. I'm sure a lot of your listeners will actually have watched it. And it's basically this guy called Bernard who's got this magic watch. And he, like, pauses it and everything in the world just freezes. And then he can just walk around, like, doing whatever he wants. And I always say, like, I feel like I got Bernard's Watch. I feel like I've got all this time that no one else has because they're, like, hungover or drinking. or So I feel like I've just packed in so much in the last three years. I've packed in more in the last three years than I did in, like, the last five years of my drinking so I mean I mean the last five years of my drinking was just one big like anxious boozy blur so 
I just think my life would be exactly the same, if I'm honest, as it was when I was drinking. I don't think it would have progressed at all. I wouldn't have done half the stuff. I wouldn't have half the friends. I wouldn't have half the self-confidence. I just, like, I wouldn't have half the money, more importantly. I think I'd be in a lot of debt, actually. That's one thing I do think I would, would be in. So mm-hmm. that, that's And you I wouldn't would have just written a book about sobriety. I mean, no, I probably would have written like a book about drunken adventures and then like <laughs> highly regretted it, I reckon. Um, what does 2021 hold for you? Oh, I really hope it holds meeting people in the flesh. Like I miss so much holding those like dance events and our like boozers brunches. That's the thing I like miss most in the world at the moment. So that that is the main thing that I'm hoping for for 2021 is like more connection, getting more sober girls together in real life, making friends. I think that's the main thing that I hope 2021 holds. And also just like being a bit more relaxed and enjoying life I really love my life and I love how it is now like if it never changed I would be happy to live this life forever so just to like enjoy that more and take more breaks take more holidays I'm absolutely dying to go on holiday I mean obviously I'm not going to but when it is completely safe that is like the first thing that I want to do yeah I was having this conversation last night it's definitely the same same for me as well what is the future for sober girl society oh good question I mean I would just like it to be more in person and more like other people can meet each other it doesn't have to rely on me organizing an event I would quite like to turn it into like a a peer-led scheme um so that we have like more like ambassadors and people can reach out and and go on like meetups and walks and things like that with other sober girl society people um so that would be like quite a dream I think that is the main thing and just to carry on like trying to offer more support just like where we can maybe do a lot more virtual events at the moment but then hopefully the more in-person events I think is going to be like the main thing for sober girl society in 2021 if the Mm. pandemic ceases which fingers crossed it does yeah I mean that would that would be amazing that's definitely my vision too um and I just feel the chemistry and the energy and the connection that you get from in real life events that you just can't get that from a screen and you know you can just meet one person and connect with them and they have a similar story to you and they really help you on your journey like you make a friend forever you know and those moments are so special and it is so hard to do that when we're trying to do everything online so yeah I'm really excited to come to a boozeless brunch Yay! Um, I'm gonna move you into the quick fire round oh okay there's a quick fire round excited are you ready I'm ready yeah so what is your favorite quick lit book oh the unexpected joy of being sober and mine <laughs> um your biggest influence now you're not under the influence oh that is that is a good question do you know who I love is Gina Martin I would really love to um like do something around alcohol like she does with other things as in like really trying to change the world that's that's yeah one person who I think influences me at the moment amazing and your favorite alcohol-free drinks oh what so I love spirits so I I I was like a gin and vodka drinker so I love alcohol-free spirits so I Caleno is actually one of my favorite I adore the new dark and spicy I had some the other week and I had it with coke and um like a bit of lime in it and yeah delicious amazing I mean they are amazing they are such good jokes and I love the new branding as well 
Okay, amazing. Thank you for your quick fly round and thank you for coming on Sober Sips. Thank you for having me. It was so lovely. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you, Millie, for being such a fabulous guest. If you want to follow her, please do so on at Millie Gooch. And remember to stock up on Colonio and really get into the spirit of things. See you next week for another Sober Sips.